Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we talk about pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. Libby Saylor is back, and today we are talking about Angela from Who's the Boss? If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. Who's the Boss debuted on September 20th, 1984 and starred Judith Light, Tony Danza, Alyssa Milano, Danny, whose last name I can't pronounce because I can't remember <laughs> how to P. say it. Huh? Danny yeah. P. Danny P. Danny P, like, because I don't think he's been anything lately. <laughs> and Catherine Hellman. The show follows the story of widower and former pro baseball player, Tony Micelli, taking a job as a housekeeper for a high-powered divorced businesswoman, Angela Bauer, and her son, 
He and his daughter, Samantha, move into the Bauer residence where Tony's laid-back personality contrasts with Angela's type A behavior. But before we really dive in, let's let's get reacquainted with, with Libby. Libby Saylor is an artist living and working in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Libby was here in seasons two and three, where we discussed When Harry Met Sally and Sixteen Candles. This is her second appearance in season four, and I'm excited she's here because I think I said it last time. She is my friend, IRL, <laughs> even though we haven't met in person. <laughs> no. Back and it's show. like... It kind of doesn't matter. Although someday we have to, I think the meeting, a meeting will happen. Yeah. It's going to have to happen. Yeah. I have to make it out back to the East coast at some point when I was telling my, I'll go to the West coast. I mean, there's no reason why. Yeah. Like I, yeah, it, it's got to happen. Come here. There's so much amazing stuff that we could do and see. And oh my God. I also just think it's going to be, oh yes, that we'll just eat the whole time. I Mm -hmm. also just think it's going to be so funny being in real life because I'm like a giant tower (laughs) and you're this little petite little thing it's just gonna be so funny because right now we're like on the same yeah yeah but I'm just gonna be this monster in your (laughs) presence it'll just be funny (laughs) my best friend is five nine so um okay so I'm 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 used to being around tall women yeah, I guess is my yeah, point. Yeah. Um, and then it was funny because the moment my son got too like really tall, because we always did family selfies whenever we'd go uh-huh. out of town. Any, it's just you know selfies. And so like that point when he was so tall that taking a selfie was like, okay, you have to do it and make yeah, sure you there's do no way job because I'm too short to get both of us in this picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it'll be he- it'll. I think it'll be magical. Oh my gosh, arrives. it'll be so much fun. And because yeah. I love to pounce And we around. have to go to movies. Oh, yes. Yeah, like Absolutely. every day we have to do a different movie. Yes. <laughs> I cannot oh. wait to do movies with you. Oh, and there's this great theater house in my town that's gorgeous. I think you would Ooh. love it because it was built in 1938 or 31. Okay. Is that like Art Deco time maybe? Or? Yeah, and they oh, had Hollywood. it restored a few years. Oh, well, I say a few years, but what is time? And it's gorgeous. I mm. I really think that you would just be inspired by the architecture. And then they also play like like independent films. They do big, yeah. big blockbusters. They have it's just cool. It's a really cool oh, place. I should actually renew my membership. <laughs> yeah, and I just should make a book a flight to just come see you because that has to happen. Oh my yeah, God. it'll be so I can't much wait. fun. It'll yeah. be so much fun. Yeah. Okay. So before we dive into talking about Angela Bauer, um, I I want to know: Do you remember what you thought of rich or wealthy women, or what messages you received about wealth and money when you were a kid? Yeah, you know, I think it was kind of. I don't want to say it was confusing for me, but I actually had this interesting upbringing where I kind of was able to view both worlds because my parents, oh. yeah, my parents were divorced. And, you know, my mother came from, she was raised in like a a middle-class, I don't know. I wouldn't say they were wealthy, but like he owned a business. They, they were, they did well, but because the course of her life was, she struggled in a lot of different ways. Um, She never had money Mm -hmm. uh, when she was my mother and when she was raising me and after the divorce, like she lived in a city in like a, a row house. She could, she was, I mean, food stamps, like she, mm-hmm. 
couldn't hold a job. Like there was a lot of struggle. And then my father who also came from money, we, they had more money just because we had a family business and um, they're more just intellectual, whatever. So, so they had always had money in the family. So I remember, and I'm leading into, I basically preferred wealthy, (laughs) wealthy vibes. Yeah. Um, And I remember being so excited when dad would take us in the car and drive us to our grandmother's house because it was out in the country. It was gorgeous. Then we're in this big house. Everything's nice. Mm. People are dressed nice. Everybody talks. You know, it's, it was, you, it was just noticeable. And as a kid, I don't think I thought, oh, they have money and my mom doesn't, but it was more just like, I like it here better. I'm more comfortable here. This is, this feels safe to me. This feels secure. I don't want to go back to the city. I don't like seeing my mom struggle. Mm. Um, So there was that going on. And, um, but what's also interesting, this is very complex. Even though my mom didn't have money, she did kind of come from it and she had really good taste and was really sophisticated. So, and she put a lot of effort into her looks. Mm -hmm. And so I also, to me, she actually kind of reminds me of like a Judith Light character. Like physically, she was very much that. Mm -hmm. So, which of course, what's not to love is beautiful and classy and you smell good and you know, all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I had like a really complex kind of different perspectives coming in at different angles, but um, yeah, in general, I'm like pro- wealthy women. <laughs> I just like the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand what you mean because there is something about, um, I mean, my grandparents weren't, were not wealthy by any means, but you know, my grandmother and grandfather always dressed really well. There was always the sophistication to them. And so if you, I mean, they were, you know, they were fairly modest people. I don't think that my grandfather liked Cadillacs, but I don't think he would actually drive one if given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, because in the black community, the Cadillac is the epitome of wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, or at least for his generation, I honestly couldn't tell you what it is now because I'm like, can I ride my I bike there? <laughs> like, yeah. Is this bikeable? <laughs> yeah. Um, but just that sort of vibe of wealth, I totally get it when you, when you were talking, so it's like, yeah, I, I get it. Cause we weren't allowed to leave the house looking shabby. We weren't allowed to look, we had clothes for the house. We had play clothes and then we had ha- clothes mm. that we left the house in. Um, wow. and same with, and then we had church clothes and your church clothes were not your, you know, school clothes kind of thing. So, so there's like, I think elements there because in the sense of like, even though there wasn't like this gross amount of money floating around or even just wealth, I mean, homeownership still kind of qualifies as contributing to your wealth and everyone in our family was homeowners, but it's, you know, it's a little, there's something about like, Hey, we present well, like that's the goal is to present well. Now it's weird that like, why is that? Why do we like that? I don't know. know, Why? Yeah. It's like, is it just our superficial nature? Like just human nature? We like looking at something that looks nice and clean and pretty. And, or this, for me, I think it was about security. Mm -hmm. I felt so much more safer and secure 
you look around in a big house, you see that somebody has money to, they're not struggling to, you know, so for me, it was like, I felt less afraid Yeah, being in that environment. Yeah. So maybe th- that might be part of it. Yeah. That's interesting to this day still Libby. Like when we leave the house and I look when I, and I perceive that I look like trash, I say, oh. Oh, granny would be so mad if she knew <laughs> I was leaving the house like this, like these are inside clothes. <laughs> It's like different times though. I mean, I, I'm the worst with like, you think I wouldn't be, but I, I leave the house in my pajama bottoms like so frequently. And mm-hmm. you know, they're the kind of target that they don't look like pajama bottoms yeah. They're like, they could pass for like yoga pants or whatever, but like yeah. there, I slept in, I literally slept in them and like left the house. <laughs> um, but I just like, I, yeah, honestly, there's also part of me that just thinks it looks kind of cute so I don't care but I know there are people who are just like I the pajama thing in public is just like they can't even I think you're like that too right like you refuse yeah Yeah, my sister is too she's like what are you doing I'm like I don't care I Um, do have yeah I feel like they're different times yeah I think COVID was the equalizer too for a lot of people because that's kind of what broke the camel's back for me (laughs) I think for all of us yeah because I was like I, um, I can't, I can't, I gotta pick up. It's just, uh, what? Decisions are hard. (laughs) Yeah, totally. We're just getting by here. Mm -hmm. I will. I still matter. Yeah. I still have a stickler about like people sitting in my bed though, with like their outside clothes on. So when Phoebe Robinson wrote Hmm. that book titled, don't sit on my bed in your inside outside clothes or something like that. I was like, girl, I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I can't. I can't like even like I'll put down another sheet on the bed if somebody wants to lay on my bed. It covers the pillows. It covers everything. I don't know what so it is. Is it like outside? Like there's like weird yucky things going on, and they're bringing it inside or something? Or I don't... okay, I mean, I mean, that's fascinating. I, people, I. I I open I can't believe I just admitted that I openly admit that people aren't allowed to wear shoes in my house. Um, well, sure. That's I mean, there's gross yeah, things and on so the for of some reason shoes. my head sort of has translated yeah. in. So I have clothes like when I take Josephine to the dog park. If I sit on anything at the dog park bench wise, because the dogs are mm-hmm. everywhere, they're on everything. Yeah. They have no boundaries. Yeah. I will not sit anywhere in my house in those clothes. <laughs> interesting I think again I think it's my grandmother's influence and making me feel bad about like it sounds like it yeah yeah interesting well the internet failed me (laughs) when I was trying to find reviews of who's the boss from that era there was a lot of like reflections and things like that and I was like well I don't want to do reflections from other people that's what we're here for (laughs) yeah totally we're we have it covered yeah so you know I we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna dive in we don't need statistics we can figure it out ourselves we can do it yeah um so in the summary above Angela Bauer is described as having a type a personality type a behavior so I kind of want to talk about what you think of Angela her character how Judith Light portrayed her all the things because yeah, you grew up on the yeah. show, right? Like you oh, grew up my on the obsessed. Show. Yes. Every episode loved it. It was always on. Yeah, same. Loved we had it on it. reruns mostly by the time I came. Yeah. Because I think it aired. What did I say? When did I say it aired? You said 84, maybe. Okay. So who's the boss and I are the same age? Because <laughs> we debuted the same year. 
Oh, that's cute. You're both born at the same time. Um, well, first of all, can I just, I just need to put it out there. Cause you know, I watched a couple episodes last night as a refresh. I mean, Tony, can I just like marry him? I fucking, he's so dreamy. And yeah. like, I mean, his face, you know, it's not like he's, I mean, he's beautiful, but yeah. he's not like, it's not like he's like, uh, an obvious stud, but I mean, yeah. his body's amazing, but like, he's, he's so vulnerable and sweet and his chemistry with Angela it's just like if you go you know you remember it but like if you actually go rewatch it just from the very beginning they are just on fire Mm -hmm. so I was just like lusting after Tony last night I mean mean, yeah I just had to say that he's got the 80s look that I think that I always reflect on and wish was reflected more in when we do period pieces of the 80s because yeah, his style like is so good feathered the little, hair the, yeah yeah and then the tight t-shirts with the jeans yeah. oh, like that is just that's choice yeah but and I yeah he just he just was such a great guy on that show but you know it's interesting like with Angela I remember so she's I actually think she's a complex character so like and I don't love the way the show you know, people were, they were always making fun of her, mm-hmm. like in the house, you know, like Tony's the cool one. He's the cool, fun, whatever. Mona. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to bash women at all. And she's a goddess and whatever, but like, I don't love her character. And I think she was, she had a little bit of that, like Dorothy and Sophia thing where yeah. the mom is just constantly making the daughter feel like she's a piece of shit Yeah. Um, and making fun of her. So and the kids, I mean, everybody just like ganged up on Angela and Angela was kind of portrayed as like this dork, mm-hmm. like this stick in the mud. Oh, she's never has fun. She will whatever. But it's just, it was frustrating because it's like, wait, 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 wait. She fucking owns her own advertising agency in New York. Like, mm-hmm. how is she getting no respect from her household? You know, and I mean, I guess that was like part of the premise of the show, but in a weird way, I kind of feel like they didn't, I don't know if they didn't like honor her as much, or maybe in, I know in later seasons, like they brought in a whole like Bauer agency and then Tony worked there. And that right. was a whole, it was much more focused on her as a career person. But like in the beginning, it's just like, they're just making fun of her left and right. And I didn't love that. I remember there being like, I remember the vibe being very much like Tony is clearly the one that we're supposed to love and be in love with regardless of what your beliefs are like tony is the star but i also remember like feeling like are all professional businesswomen this uptight like that Mm -hmm. kind of because she was so to me she was so uptight and then and then when they would kind of egg her on to sort of like not be so uptight that always made me feel uncomfortable because I hate it when like if somebody triggers me and I'm and I get into this area of being uncomfortable and then you keep trying to get me to loosen up I just get more uncomfortable and more withdrawn and more more tight totally and it's like if you're uptight you're uptight like I mean I'm uptight (laughs) like I'll say I'm I'm controlling. I'm a controlling person, you know, like, and I can be super laid back and, you know, I don't think I'm like Angela, but like, I, 
if somebody was like Libby, just relax. That's the that's textbook the worst fucking thing you can say to somebody when yeah. you're trying to get them to calm down. So it's like yeah. she was who she was, and yeah, it was just kind of like a bummer that um it was just she was constantly getting like poked at and just not and you know there were moments where Tony of course he was like falling in love with her. So mm-hmm. he appreciated her and he adored her and saw her in this way. But it's like, they were all still making fun of her the whole time. And it's like, she couldn't help it. And and I do think, you know, your question about like, are all professional women uptight? Is it weird if I say, I think, yes. I don't think that's it's weird. Like you have so much stress. You have so much responsibility. You're so fucking responsible and have everything under control. Like you have so much to manage. How could you not be a type a kind of personality yeah and you almost have to be too yeah because like we talked about in our working girl episode like when you're a high level executive and female especially in the 80s like you there's a certain game you have to play to stay on top whether or not you agree with the game it almost doesn't matter like it's a point a point of survival at this you know at this juncture in her career yeah and they don't have the luxury of choosing whether or not to have fun or be a fun person like oh it's so great you're at home you're like the housekeeper you get to like be the fun whatever but like you're at home and not to put down taking care of house but like you're at home taking care of house like you can relax a little bit or you you are much more open to like playing with the kids and whereas like she's fucking like had a board meeting with the whatever like that's major stress like how can you not how can you come home and then just be like, yay, let's have a, you know, pool party and like, <laughs> throw food at each other? Like, no. And it's advertising. Advertising is a notoriously uh, insane yeah. insane industry because it's very much like it's an it's expense. Like there's the expenses are high, the different and in the 80s. So what our mediums were television and print, right? you know nowadays it's a little bit more extensive oh and broadcast so you had like Like you just broadcast yeah like radio television and print yeah media so you're having to like depending on what kind of ad agency you are you might be doing commercials and radio and print stuff which are all three different elements that you have to do like configure so it's not like her job is easy it's kind of already cutthroat because you could easily lose business just as as you can well I don't even know how easy it is to gain business honestly I feel like it's always like like you're pitching all the time and people are coming to you and you're drafting like it just it's funny feels like I get constantly that from, fighting for work yeah like and I learned everything I know about advertising from Mad Men yeah. which is like another show but it's like they had a whole department of people who were literally their job was to just smooch smooth what's schmooze wealthy people and bring them in like Mm -hmm. that was and it was a constant you're constantly cultivating relationships so and you can constantly lose clients at any time like oh my god beyond stressful yeah and then to have to come home and like so and I've talked about this on the show before like when my home is my sanctuary I do not want to come home and then feel like I'm still on guard because we're already on guard when Mm -hmm. we leave our house and are in the world anyway so then to come home and not be like at peace because everyone's making fun of you that's actually my nightmare (laughs) I mean it sounds pretty horrible and especially it's like look motherfuckers I just brought in all the money 
that is paying for the roof over your head. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that kind of wasn't really thrown around in the show. Um, You know, I'm not saying it should have been or it shouldn't have been, but it's, it's almost like the the fact that she was this advertising exec was this really really seemingly small part of her character you know like it was it was part of the plot and every you know oh I came from work oh I had to cancel on this oh because I'm so busy but like it wasn't like look she's fucking paying for four people's livelihoods yeah like can we just like that's a big deal like nobody should be like giving her shit like ever really that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. I did also think that there was a level of elegance to her that I really loved. And, the, and like we mentioned, work the French twist. Mm-hmm. She was at the French twist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so and last time you were here, I think I said, like, you know, Claire Huxpool was my first, like, um, example of a wealthy woman. When I think about all the shows that I watched in the 80s and the women that I really liked the most on television. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Claire's number one. And I think Angela's number two because they had a similar yeah. style and yeah. they had a similar vibe. Claire was more warm th- that I can recall. I don't recall Angela being warm. Like, I mean, I'd have to go back and now that I know where I can find watching season one of who's totally. Yeah. I think I'm have to go back, but I don't remember her. Like, I remember her being warm with her son and like, you know, she had those moments with Samantha because Samantha doesn't have a mom. So she got to be yeah. like female motherly there. Yeah. Or I should say daughter motherly there. Um, but like with her mom and, you know, it's hmm. like, you know, it's kind of frigid. And so she yeah. she wasn't like, she's not like the, de- like she wasn't like with Claire, you got the sense like she's going to make the brownies for the bake sale. Mm-hmm. And like she's showing up to all the football games while still being this powerhouse attorney. I didn't get that vibe from Angela necessarily, but I did like how they were both very polished, how they were both well presented. And even in their casual clothing, they still were very put together. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and this is just because Angela's like literally fresh in my mind from yesterday. I actually think Angela, I think you're right. There maybe is a coldness to her, like, because she wasn't as hands-on in the Mm -hmm. house, but there were, if you go back and rewatch, there's something about Angela compared to Claire. Angela is actually a bit more like unhinged in moments because she has this like, and it's definitely like with Tony, like Tony had this ability to just like level her where she would I mean and this is also just like uh, Judith Light as an actress it's also saying a lot about this because Judith could she could turn to being this really hard I'm I'm the woman of I just came from whatever (laughs) and then just be like so vulnerable and in a moment I just be like thank you Tony thank you for you know I don't know she just has this way of turning on this like all of a sudden she's so vulnerable and and raw and she and it was like more during like romantic moments with Tony but even like Tony did something very sweet for her and she'd all of a sudden just be really vulnerable and be like thank you Tony you know it was like oh my god she's like so vulnerable with him and but the unhinged too you know there were even just the four episodes that I watched you know there's this some scenes where she has her like 
hair kind of up in this funky bun and her glasses are kind of falling off her nose. And then she's a little bit klutzy, you know, mm-hmm. like part of her character is a little bit like klutzy. I mean, Claire would not be called dead trip. I mean, she is like, she just is full goddess. Whereas, you know, Angela, she's a little, she's got the dorky, the klutzy, the, you know, kind of a little goofy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that maybe does warm her a little bit. Like it cuts the like coldness in half. So I feel like she does switch back and forth between I just came from work. I'm on top of things to like, I don't know what's going on in my yeah. household. What's happening? Help me. Um, so yeah, to me, that's like really endearing about yeah. her character. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What did you think about her relationship with Tony? Because I mean, I feel like it, oh. when the later seasons came and they got romantic with each other, truly romantic with each other, it was like, well, obviously that was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I honestly can't say enough about their, like, I, if you actually go rewatch the whole, their whole love story, it's like fantasy worthy, like fantasizing um, I mean, even, and I just watched the, it was the, I went to season one and it was like the first like four episodes. And, and that I think I, cause I wanted all the romance. So I think I'd like tr- watched like the end of season one, you yeah. know, cause I wanted to see like, and it was like called the kiss or something. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm watching this. <laughs> um, so their romance started like pretty early on, like they got right into it in, even in the first season, but I am so pro. I just think, I mean, I think if you're comparing it to like reality, it's tricky because mm-hmm. it's like they're raising, they're, there's so many boundaries that are crossed. Like they're raising each other's kids. Even in one of the first episodes, it was the episode where Tony walks in, which is like classic Tony walks in on Angela naked coming out of yeah. the bath. Yeah. So it's like, okay, she already, he already saw her naked. That's huge. Like I could go my whole life without a man ever seeing me naked. Like that's yeah. a big fucking, that's intimate, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think I, their chemistry was so immensely powerful mm-hmm. that I, I love their romance. Um, I mean, if anything, I think that again, I think they should just poke, he should just poke less fun at her. Um, but she kind of pokes right back. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I kind of think they're well matched. Maybe I'm just completely in daydream land. <laughs> but I fucking love their romance. I love their romance. I'm addicted to it, and their chemistry is delicious. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I, I remember loving it too. Because I think that's because because you know after I became a single parent after a while you get lonely because the world whatever. Yeah, and even the, yeah, yeah. So this fantasy would start where it was like, oh, like. <laughs> I would meet like I would meet somebody out of convenience but we weren't we were like like it was clearly going to be like an enemy to like lover situation and Mm, I think that it stems from who's the boss even though they weren't enemies they were you know kind of I you know they were they were they had conflict and they were sort of on different sides of the coin in the beginning yeah, they were like the odd couple it's like yeah these yeah. two people do not seem like they go together at all yeah that's a great comparison um and so I had that fantasy in my mind still probably do actually because oh sometimes I, I still that. sometimes I still think like now that my kid's going off to college I'm like oh he's gonna bring like I have these fantasies that he'll bring like a grown-ass man home who's lonely and doesn't have family and we don't spend holidays alone in our family like that's not a thing yeah 
Um, and like, there's been variations of that. And I think it comes from who's the boss because I fucking love that. That's amazing. Get that, yeah. So they, and I love how it's, sl- it's a slow burn because so much of like yeah. rom-coms and like romantic movies, it's, you don't get the slow burn anymore. They make everything no. happen within three weeks. So then it's this false idea that, oh, I could fall in love in three weeks. Yeah. Or Bridges of Madison County, that's four days. Yeah. Which and is so, like so believable the way they do it, but it's like, that was four days. Like, he's yeah. a complete stranger. <laughs> exactly. And so it's interesting. So, so that's, I think, oh, I'm going to, yes. the 80s, 80s is the reason why I want a slow burn kind of love because- Angela and Tony when Harry met Sally like you have these scenarios where even in you've got mail it takes them like a year a full year to like come together and you see that transition over time and it's done so well and I love that about their relationship because it shows like you're they're building something they're literally building something without necessarily realizing it because he's moved in under the guise of you will be the keeper of the house So it's like no intentions of like falling in love. And then of course, you know, they just both happen to be incredibly attractive humans. I don't think, I don't think 1980s Tony Danza could have moved into my house and I would have been, I would have had any chill. (laughs) There's no way to be like, oh, he's just my housekeeper. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way to just see him as that. Like, right? no, but you're so right. Like the burn, that's the other thing that I just think this, they, the show, they did it so well. It was like, because half the, you know, most of the episodes, it's not like there's romance going on with them. They're just, but they do put in, in every episode, there was a moment here where mm-hmm. they got to know each other a little bit better, or like they had, and even just the whole episode built up to like, maybe those 15 seconds of their chemistry. And that was like that episode, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's in real life. And in reality, that's so delicious. And it's like, you put two people in a situation like that it's almost like you can't not fall in love I mean unless you're like repulsed by the person but even if you're not like initially attracted to the person and you're in that situation how can you not how can it not turn into something because it's just yeah it's the groundwork is there and it's just delicious and I don't think we put enough emphasis just culturally on that too right like yeah there's such an emphasis on it's got to be hot and heavy and steamy from the beginning and I've got to feel something like I'm yeah if you wanted to break up if you want to break up in two months like yeah I guess if you want it hot and heavy Mm -hmm. at first but it probably won't last even though you know the 80s were a little like upon reflection we're like ooh, (laughs) there's still some value i think in what we can learn about storytelling from the 80s um and again i'm thinking specifically of the stories that you were here of the shows that you've been here for (laughs) yeah but i think I think there's a reason why when Harry met Sally is always the number one rom-com in the world. And I, as far years. as I know, the only rom-com ever nominated for a freaking Academy Award in current oh God, modern amazing. history. Right. Um, but it's that it's that there. There's a, the, the level of friendship that Harry and Sally have. I see that in Angela and Tony too, because it's more than just about being the kid, about the kids in the house. Like they, they eventually get to know each other better and respect each other and like move into this place of, you know, yes, I'm your housekeeper and yes, you're a boss, babe. I hate that phrase. 
Yeah. Who says that? I don't know. It was like a thing for a while. Wow. Um, okay, so let's say it like this. Yes, you're my housekeeper, and yes, I'm like this big level executive, but there's like equal footing when they have conversations with each other, especially when you get to later seasons. Yeah. And I think like, that's they really... seem to really like each other as people. Mm-hmm. That's what's so and you know, Harry met Sally. I feel like they're actually two different slow burn love stories, but they're equally effective. But like Harry met Sally was more, you know, they kind of bugged each other at first and they just sort of warmed to each other and then just became really devoted to each other. And that's, then they fell in love. And that's amazing with Angela and Tony. I feel like I actually think their chemistry was way stronger and they just actually just, and you are thrown into a house together or as Harry met Sally, like they're living in a city together. They don't have to, But I think that like Tony and Angela just there were times where, you know, everybody is picking on Angela and Tony would be the one to like step in and defend her Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And they just I think they just liked each other as human beings. Yeah. And it does not get more romantic and delicious than that. Why are we single? What the hell? I know. Honestly, (laughs) like whenever I think about relationships, like when I see what some of my friends have, I'm like, God, that stresses me out. Oh Um, yeah. But then when I think about like the relationships that I've had that I, the ones that I miss, there Mm. was that, you know, mutual respect, you know, that we like you as a person element. Yeah. Um, those types of things and I and that's the stuff that I miss is having you know a male relationship where there is like mutual affection and appreciation but it's not like I was thinking about it yesterday or the day before I was thinking about it this week because you know my my kid's out of town right now so it's plenty of time to feel lonely (laughs) (laughs) yeah call me whenever you need to yeah you know I'm available but it's not the same yeah yeah and I was just like gosh I miss having that person to sort of just like Mm -hmm. be next to right and I think that's part of the reason why I'm telling me sister I know I said I think that's part of the reason why I was like let's get a dog who will be and then I'm so glad she's willing to like snuggle because sometimes like there I don't know if you feel it when you have contact with a living creature and I and it's weird that it kind of it's more I liken it more to like holding a baby Mm-hmm. but like when I when she just like snudges snuggles into me and just like oh I need to touch you right now like there's something really like comforting about that with the yeah, dog I mean, there's and, actual yeah yeah and I'm like I want this in human form yes <laughs> yeah no there's like but there's actual legit chemicals like the I've always forget if it's the oxy or the dopamine but like mm-hmm. I remember with my ex too like we would have like snuggle sessions and, you know, he was like a, <clears throat> he was the therapist or whatever. So he, he knew like the science behind brain chemistry. And I'd be like, be like laying there. I'd be like, do you think our dopamine levels are like skyrocketing right now? But it was like, <laughs> yes, they actually are. Like you are, if you're physically touching another person and you're both at peace, at, like your chemi- your brain chemistry, you're, it's like drugs and yeah. it's delicious and it's fucking awesome. And when that is ripped from your life, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it really it's like... sucks. And there's nothing to replace it. You know, I mean, a yeah. dog is probably, you know, I don't have pets, but like a dog is probably something and it probably does help stimulate those like chemicals for you. 
I don't have that. I just know when I, whenever I'm like around my sister or a friend that I'm close enough, I'll just like latch on to them in like a gross way. And yeah. Like hug them just a little longer than they want me to. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. It's not sad. I yeah. do that to my kids. Sometimes I'll, I'll like walk into his room and he'll be like playing a strategic war game with his friends online and <laughs> like I just, the like, last thing he wants is a snuggle session with yeah, his and mother. I'll just like grab his head and I'll just like yeah. you know <laughs> sniff yeah. the top of his head or go in for I'm a sure hug he or... he's always just like you know Mom, it's so like... hard I actually like I you know and this is like I don't know if you ever experienced this but this is a product of like breakup and it happened after my first breakup with my boyfriend in college I legit like emergency room had a heart thing and it tested fine. Everything was fine. It was really like an emotional, hmm. my heart was just fucked up. But I know now that, um, after a heartbreak, it's normal to actually experience physical sensations. And as you were talking and I've been having this, I was having palpitations and it was like a, like a knock. It was just, my heart was just like feeling it. Yeah. Um, is what we're talking about it's so real yeah it really is if you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman a woman identifying a woman in a male-dominated industry and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes but you still love pop culture then pop culture makes me jealous best friends club on patreon is just for you Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? 
Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. Do you think Angela Bauer's character upholds certain stereotypes? Hmm. It like when I thought of I feel like I hate to say yes, but I feel like perhaps yes. You know, I mean kind of what we talked about the type A thing. Mm-hmm. I really just don't know any it's not like I know a ton of like high-powered career women, but like for the most part, I've encountered them and they're not they're not the Tony types. They're mm-hmm. not like laid back. Um, uh, so I do think, um, and you know, stereotypes are kind of like a workaholic, maybe controlling, obviously intelligent, all these things that are kind of like required to like run a business, but Mm -hmm. she, I do think yes. And I, I, I always feel bad when stereotypes like align with reality, but they're in place for a reason. I don't know. What do you think? I feel like it was, it felt like a yes for me. Yeah. It kind of feels like a yes for me too, because, you know, like you, when I reflect on some of the high powered women I have, have had contact with very controlled, very reserved and it's always yeah. kind of a surprise when I would learn something about them that was like a fun fact you're or like, like, oh, you're a real person. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I was talking with somebody one time at this networking event, a little intimidating. Cause I'm just like, oh, you, you're a big deal. Um, yeah. and she like, I made a, like, I'm, am the queen of like, oh, I'm awkward. So I'm just going to keep making jokes. Cause like, oh, and she <laughs> laughed at one and I was like, huh. oh, you've got a sense of humor. Got it. Love that about yeah. you. But it yeah. wasn't ever anything that I had seen in her before. Mm. And that's not anything we really see or have I seen in women similar to her position so that yeah. was kind of refreshing. And I and I was thinking about it a little bit deeper too. It's like I wonder if they're not if there's this idea that high powered women aren't allowed to be vulnerable in public spaces because yeah. vulnerability is still seen as a weakness in our community. There's a lot of work to change that narrative going on, but it's still at the end of the day, like it's still not appreciated in the way that like, you know, normal people. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think that high-powered women can really afford to let their guard down in that way. And a lot of them, I mean, I hate, I hate this, but they do still have to kind of wear that masculine energy hat and be kind of behave sort of like their masculine counterparts in order to kind of do, and again, like you're saying, we're working to, you know, like the, the benefit of a powerful female, she's bringing her, her femaleness to the, that's why she's going to help things. Not Mm -hmm. because she can just be a man, but have a vagina. Like she has something to, you know, her emotional perspective, her, all these other different things. Like that's actually something that the world needs, you know, but I still think you like, you're right. They're not ready for it. They're scared of it. There's judgment. Um, so until, and especially in the eighties, like, I think women just had to behave like men. So they can't really afford, I don't think they could afford to just be real and open and vulnerable. They would just, they wouldn't be where they were if they 
did allow that yeah especially when they're in a male-dominated industry like advertising is and yeah and i noticed that a lot of female execs who create their own companies that become huge you don't really hear the same sort of criticisms coming out of those companies um it's it's like they've created space so they can be fully who they are allow vulnerability mm-hmm. and then also lead with empathy and i think that's a large part of it too we don't equate empathy with men no or masculinity i should say we don't i i i didn't grow up equating em- empathy with masculinity like that was which is sad because i think a lot of men are so empathic mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. But with the representations in pop culture and just sort of like, you know, I grew, the kind of environment I grew up in, there's this like, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a chick thing. Oh, that's so <laughs> awful. Yeah. And I think modern women with like, you're talking about these kind of modern day goddesses who are running things and are, are, are bringing a little bit of vulnerability. I think it also has to do with like a more collaborative nature. Like a lot of women who are just like rocking it, they have like a team of people who they rely on, who they trust, who they allow to get to know them as human beings. And they're still in charge, but like, there's a little bit more of like this collaborative, which is so, I just think that's also so female. It's not like I'm the leader and everybody else below. It's just a very much like, let's all pull together. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that that can like open just create a more open like strong powerful leader type rather than this like I'm in charge and nobody fucks you know I'm the final say and if I let my guard down I'm gonna have people not respect me and I think that happens too so it's hard I wouldn't want to be a woman in charge honestly I don't think I could handle it I don't think I'm built for that do you think that if who's the boss was recreated today it could exist in the way that it does Oh my God, that's mind blowing. Because I was thinking about it this morning on my walk with the dog. So it's like, you could still have high powered Angela. It's still a gender uh-huh. role flip because we still see women shoved in really crappy gender roles. You know what? So as I'm thinking about it, it makes me I think that who's the boss was so, yeah, it makes me think that who's the boss is so, was so ahead of its time because, mm-hmm. because I think absolutely it could work and I think in a weird way it might even work better now because there's so many households where the woman is the breadwinner the male is just like in the 80s with Mr. Mom which is yes oh which was also so ahead of its time um but yeah like and she was in advertising too um but yeah I think that um it's actually a lot more accepted to have the male running the household now mm-hmm. i think that would be amazing like honestly we should like cast that and like that should be a thing like that should so be recreated i think yeah. it would totally work i can't yeah. even think of a thing that wouldn't work about that if anything it would just not have as much of the 80s politically incorrect things that are yeah. problematic now that we yeah. see so that could be amazing because we're back into a phase of life where we have generational households there are even there yeah. the world is there's part there's some communities who are even building residential buildings specifically so younger and older people can live in the same building or even be is like is that all happening roommates. just because of money like people that's, just can't it's that's so happening unrealistic of, yeah, for our age group is like money. 
we can't afford to live and this yeah. is so stupid. And so you have older folks who are alone and you have younger folks who can't afford to live anywhere Makes starting sense. to like room with each other. Like they're building community specifically for that. So it's like a lot of the thing, a lot of the things um, about who's the boss that were super like revolutionary for 1984 still exist today. Yeah. Or not, or like you I don't want to say still exists today, exists today in the way that yeah. it's like, it's still like, you wouldn't have to, I don't think you'd have to change anything other than what you commented on, which is yeah. like, it's some things know, that were a little like, okay. Um, we've evolved since then in that kind of thinking. So we can update that part. <laughs> yeah. But like everything. And also there's so many like mixed households where it's like somebody's their life partners but they're not married or they share kids but they or they're they're friends but they're not lovers but they live together. like there's so many situations where there's like things like that happening it's mm-hmm. so much less questioned now so I think that could seriously work and be amazing as an updated show mm-hmm. I love it And, you know, maybe like recast it in a way where you do have a little bit more ethnic diversity. I love like only murders in the building because Martin Short's kid. Well, I love it for so many reasons. Oh yeah. I've watched the first episode of that. I liked it. Yeah. But Martin later, I don't know if you see him in the first episode, but later in the season one, you learn that Martin Short's son is black because he was married. You know, he and his wife at the time. Oh, I think that was was in the episode I saw. He went to go see him. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just love that. They didn't do any explanation. They just were like, here's my kid. We can exist. And there was no buildup to it. It was just like he showed up at his house and you're like, oh, they're talking. Oh wait, that's his son. Oh yeah. And it was like, this is so natural. Yes. Perfect. And I love that. And I'm of the school of thought. And I think that's because I grew up in a, you know, bicultural home. Like I don't always need to have it explained on why that's the family built like, um, yeah. Why that's the family. Let me put it that way. Because, because I was telling somebody the other day, but I've always had to explain who my parents are because nobody believes mm-hmm. that my parents are my parents because we don't all obvi- obviously look like each other in the way oh, that God. like, you know, yeah. you know, some families are just like, holy shit, you all. Oh, yeah, I know. Everybody's like, you look like you're. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not like I have to point it out to people that I'm a brown version of my mother. And then when they mm. really look at like pictures of my mom, especially when she was my age, like, oh, yeah, I see it now. Well, nobody yeah. saw it when I was 10. So that has that has an, a, an effect on your psyche. It'll stick with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So seeing TV shows and uh, seeing entertainment now sort of accept that you can just exist as a person right. who's non-white or a, a multi-ethnic family and it doesn't have to be explained right and that, that's that, fine that's too. what was so great about that scene because the focus of the scene with martin short and his son it was it was not about it the, the race part wasn't even addressed and it was actually a very real kind of fucked up father-son dynamic where Mm -hmm. you know the son was pissed off because he the father only comes when he needs money he doesn't he doesn't care about he's not really involved it's a very real father-son dynamic and that was the main part of the scene and it's just not a thing that they're two different races and that's I mean you've been talking about this for a while but that's how everything with race in the media should be you know, it shouldn't be a show about 
race. It should be, this is just happening because this is normal and everybody's a person and we still have our human problems. That's what we want to kind of talk about. It's normalizing it. There is a fraction of the internet that's like, you can't make a show about black people and not talk about black issues. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like if we're loud at a freaking place that isn't used to loud people and the cops show up, sure. Like we write that in. But for the most part, like if we're in our own space, living our own lives, you know, there are points is like, I'm processing the world right now. Right. Cause I'm just, mm-hmm. cause when you have racial identity issues, because the world tells you who you are rather than allowing you to figure out who you are, mm-hmm. it's a journey. Some people, by the time they're my age, they have it, they have it unlocked. Mm-hmm. They're dialed in. They know exactly who they are. I feel that way. I want to say 85% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then the other 15%, I, call into question gets called into question a lot because Mm. i want a rom-com where they can just Mm. exist right i want a rom-com with a beautiful black man and a beautiful black woman and they can just exist and we don't have to worry about when they get pulled over you know we don't have to see them getting pulled over we don't have to see any of that about what it's like being black in america and there's so many like I saw a TikTok the other day, a friend of mine sent it to me and the person in the TikTok was commenting about, he's like, have you noticed that television lately? Like it's all pretty much like for black TV, it's all pretty much like with a heavy racial message of like, we Mm -hmm. need equality and equity. And I was like, gosh, yeah. Like in the nineties we had shows. I don't remember Martin being so heavy handed about racial issues. I don't don't remember that. So it was more just like, this is this is like representative of like black culture mm-hmm. and we're kind of in our own world here. This is who we are. You yeah. can watch it or not watch it. And there's some criticism. But it was also fucking funny. So it's like everybody watched it. Yeah. It was and, entertaining. Yeah. And so there's criticism on one side that says you can't exit oh. you can't create black stories without fully encompassing the black experience which includes the horrors that we have to live through every day and then there's the other side where it's just like i just don't really want to be traumatized and by watching entertainment shows so because we have to leave the house and get traumatized so can we just also get to exist because it's you in the you i'm all you in the white culture (laughs) that was rude well i do i mean i am so you you, can (laughs) yeah but in the you know in the white community pop culture is balanced enough in the sense in entertainment where you can just have stories of white people existing yeah it's almost like what you what is needed is kind of it's almost like a little bit of both which is what white people have the privilege we have the privilege of we can indulge in like a white people problem or some traumatic whatever thing but we can also indulge in like this is just a not i mean obviously race is not a thing for white people anyway, but like it can, we just have the luxury of like having something light and airy or have something heavy and we can do both. Whereas right now with like black culture in the media, it's kind of like, maybe it's like not allowed for both. You know, it's like right now. Yeah. It's that's like how I be, feel. I feel like, it's, yeah, but it's when like I should have both. Cause. Cause when cause I saw that, real. yeah. When I saw that TikTok, I was like, holy shit and I Mm. I my friend and I were talking about it I was like I literally can't come up with a show right now 
in my mind where there isn't a heavy handed message about being black, which for some people might be a turnoff for them to watch. And then isn't that, isn't that going against what the point is in trying to like gain understanding of other cultures, right? Yeah. That's your whole. Then I thought, well, Gronish kind of does, does a good job of letting these kids just exist and then sometimes it comes up okay so maybe so sometimes the internet validates what I'm feeling and then I yeah. get back into that 85 percent confident of my racial identity <laughs> but no, in the case also of, yeah go ahead no no go ahead in case of I was to say in the case of who's the boss if 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 this type of show were to exist today I could see Angela being a high-powered executive black woman how fucking cool would that be? And then you have like, would it be a tell- white man or a black man? I want to be a biracial guy, I, right? Or like maybe non-white, like a Lenny Kravitz-looking like, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> or even you know non-white. It doesn't matter. And then and then they get to exist in the way like you know. Okay, maybe every now and then we have an episode where something about race comes up, but it's not the whole show. I think it would be kind of amazing. Would it be totally ignorant to say, what if it was never addressed? Like almost blatantly, like the race thing was never addressed. But that's what the Cosby's did. Well, I was going to say, that's what the Cosby's did to an extent. Like they did, you know, touch on Martin Luther King Jr. They do, they did talk about, you know, the bigger things, but they never talked about it on a micro level. And they, there is criticism on the show against that. Some people call, the Cosby show part of Reagan's agenda (laughs) Um, I mean the Cosby's were definitely intimidating I will say that like you're like oh gosh I don't think I'm proper enough to and I think that would be true if the Cosby show existed as a white family Mm -hmm. totally so I don't know it's hard it's hard but I think part of the reason why it's so hard to sort of make these feel about certain things is because again you know we don't have a ton of content right now where Mm -hmm. people who are non-white get to just exist in their stories rather than it being like you know some sort of like moral to something so you know that you have to write something for this right i've started you're doing it i have something i've written yeah um as you were talking i do think it's like the best idea to do the balance of you know like have a show just be the race is a thing but it's not a thing but then every once in a while pepper in some storyline because it is like yeah but that's a reality you can't just like live in a dream world and make it seem like it's not a reality because that's Mm -hmm. also problematic so I feel like there has to be a balance yeah I agree but if anybody's gonna strike it it would be you Thanks, friend. Yeah, I started writing something a couple of years ago. I wrote 10 episodes, 13 episodes. Now I just need to like get my shit together and try and sell it. Oh my God, you have to, you have to. Oh What's my- the worst they're going to say? They'll say no. Probably they'll say no. Then just but, keep yeah, throwing yeah. it at people. Just keep trying. Because when I started writing it, I was like, oh, I could totally play myself. Because, you know, I have acting experience. Yeah, I, I mean, it. it's stage yeah. acting. It's a little different than screen. But I could convert, Oh, my God. I, think. I could so see you. Well, and now that you. I'm getting, like, older and older and older, I'm like, shit, I need to still look like I'm 35 if I want to be able to play right. this character. Or, like, rewrite the script to be, like, an older one. Yeah. <laughs> Just to give yourself, like, a 10-year 
wiggle room yeah. or or yeah, do yeah, a completely yeah. different show similar vibe i don't know i could be a one trick pony there's a lot of people out there who are one trick ponies who are just giving us the same shit over and over and over again oh different my god actors i want you it. to be in this show i want you to be in this show please make this happen that would just oh my god it would be so great i'm trying i also just think it would be really successful like i just i can't think of someone who'd be like i don't want to watch this woman because like because the story is about yeah. you know a single mixed race mom <laughs> that's me <laughs> whatever um, raising a child <laughs> i mean and, pamela you know, adlin did that it's her life like that's it's true yeah better things so is such a you good can do show. that and so yeah. like the whole show you she's sort of start she real like her kid's a freshman and she realizes like oh shit like i have to start figuring out my life yeah you yeah, also yeah. follow the kid a little bit too in oh his journey God. um and like because he's you know also ethnically ambiguous but a little bit lighter because my son's a little bit lighter yeah um and just sort of navigating the world being varying degrees of ethnic ambiguity um, but also like you know dealing with relationships and oh my god Jules you know you all this stuff so I have to do this I can't even I'm so excited about this maybe this I have so cool. the scripts handwritten I gotta get them typed up maybe I'll put it in a google doc so you can read it send it to me and I'll type them up or something I don't know <laughs> you have to do this by the end of Who's the Boss, Angela's character has softened. Tony's carefree attitude has rubbed off on her and vice versa with Tony. What was great about Who's the Boss is that it flips the gender script, as we've mentioned before, by having the male lead be the one doing most of the domestic work. For me, without thinking too deeply about it, I do recall this as the first time I have seen a man in this type of role on television. Libby, I always love it when you come by. <laughs> and not Same. just selfishly because we get to actually see each other in real time, but because, I know. But because we always have great conversations. Yeah, totally. Same. Will you please tell our friends at home where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at the goddess attainable and check out my blog at thegoddessattainable.com. And we'll link everything in the show notes so there's no excuse for um, missing all of the goodness that is the goddess attainable. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington, and I am fueled by the incredible support system of women who allow me to run ideas, cry, melt down whenever I feel overwhelmed. I also want to do a big shout out to our Patreon community. Thank you for your continued support. It brings me great joy to bring you quality content and monthly get-togethers. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time.